Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. This is the podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Becco and my partner, Hari. Hello. Uh, how are you guys today? I hope you're doing well. I hope you're enjoying your day. All right, let's get started, Hari. Um, so this is a continuation of our discussion around spinoffs. And spinoffs are really interesting uh, fertile ground, like Hari likes, like Hari likes to say, it's a fertile ground to look for great opportunities, great investment opportunities. And we talked about it at a high level, what spinoff is, why it's so attractive. But in this episode, we'll dig deep into some of the checklists, some of the you know, checkpoints, questions you have to ask yourself when you're analyzing spinoff situations. Um, like we talked about in the previous episode, you know, there's an incredible amount of downward pressure on the price of the spinoff when they, uh, when they're born, <laughs> when they actually do spinoff and exist as a separate entity. And that creates a lot of great, great opportunities if the underlying business itself is fantastic. So there are things that we have to go through to make sure it's a good company, good investment opportunity. And we'll do that in this episode. But before we do, Hari, would you like to give us a quick disclaimer? Yeah. The Value Investor uh, TV podcast is here to help you learn how uh, value investing concepts. We are uh, doing this for uh, educational and uh, entertainment purposes only. Uh, you know, we are not a financial advisor, nor do we know your specific financial situation. So, um, uh, if you are making any investment decisions, um, please consult with a financial advisor before uh, doing so. Awesome. Thanks for that, Ari. Uh, let's get started on this. Um, okay. Uh, how should we do this? Should we go down the checklist that we have here, Ari? Yeah, I think uh, um, you know it's a good place to, to look um, or to start, uh, you know, is... You know, when you have the parent and the child, is splitting these two businesses up, is that going to benefit, um, you know, is it going to allow the uh, investment universe, Wall Street, to really um, be able to assess these two businesses better? Um, you know, I think that, you know, the way that you would kind of think about that is, you know, if there are two businesses in different industries, um, that's probably a good place to that you would want to do this. Um, if one business can you know can change into a different tax entity uh, like a real in real estate investment trust which we talked about in the previous episode um you know those are the kind of things that you're trying to look at um it, you know are they completely different areas or are they you know is there some regulatory hurdle that they can cross you know by splitting up um that's mm -hmm. kind of what you're looking for uh with these two business uh entities mm -hmm. I also want to point out from kind of tag tagging along, um, harping on that point a little bit further, Hari, is that you know, this is something that I mentioned in the previous episode, but I want to re reiterate here is that spinoff is not indiscriminately a good opportunity. It's an opportunity where there are many good opportunities, but it's not every spinoff is not a good opportunity. So there are instances where the parent company will dump their their uh, their their subsidiary and load it up with debt so they can have a clean balance sheet. The parent company could have a clean balance sheet because all their debt is now with the spinoff. So these are situations where you don't want to get into spinoff investing. So all that to say that spinoff is a good opportunity to look, but it's not a it's not you know 
blanket statement. It's not a blanket opportunity uh, to go in there and just buy indiscriminately. So I just want to make that clear for everybody who is listening. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah. think that's an important one to consider. Uh, you know, I, I think of off the top of my head, community health, um, which is a hospital system um, spun off. Uh, I think it was called Quorum Health or something like that, which is mm-hmm. loaded up with debt. Both in- entities were saddled with debt. Um, I-, I think there's been no appreciable returns from either asset uh, as a result of the spinoff. Um, and it- it's partly due to, um, you know, due to the fact that the underlying businesses were terrible, right? I mean, they were just, ho- ho- you know, entirely over leveraged. Um, and so mm. there was no real, you know, way to, to get rid of the assets uh, to kind of make them grow. So, uh, so that's, you know, that's a it's not always but it's not always a, a complete answer there um is spin-offs but mm-hmm. it's a great place to look so yeah i also say i'd also say this it might be the case that you know there are many different combinations it could be a good parent company spinning off a bad one that's what we just talked about there yep. there could be a case where it's a it's a bad parent company but spinning off a really good one it could also be the case that it could be a really good company and spinning off a good company so there could be many different combinations. I just want to point that out because, yeah. you know, by spinning off, for example, La Quinta into, do, to, into two separate entities, in my from my perspective, it was a good it was a good business and it became great businesses. Um, so, so uh, I think another good example of that is PayPal uh, was spun out of eBay. So eBay mm-hmm. bought PayPal, I think, in the early two thousands or mid two thousands, have yeah. owned it, and then. You know, these are two different industries, right? I mean, payment processing and, uh, you know, online auctions. Uh, mm-hmm. Spun off PayPal. PayPal, I think, tripled, uh, you know, doubled or tripled in the next, you know, year or two uh, after mm-hmm. eBay spun it out. Um, so good business, uh, both with high returns on capital, but um, PayPal was underappreciated under the eBay umbrella. And so spinning it mm-hmm. off was a good, you know, good use of uh, unlocking value. Yeah, I think you mentioned a, a, something that was really interesting. I think we should reiterate that spinoff um, happens um, a lot of times when, like you mentioned, it's two separate two separate businesses, two separate uh, industries, right? Retail industry versus insurance industry, like we talked about with Sears and Allstate. Those are kind of good examples of uh, of a place where spinoff could be appropriately applied. So uh, you want to look for those, and you also want to look for a situation where the parent business is too complex to analyze, to really unlock, to really understand the full value of things. We talked about this in, this in the previous episode, but you want to make sure that the spinoff is taking place in a situation where there is value to be had. So a value to be had, in other words, is, for example, if you have a subsidiary of a big company that's really too complex to analyze, and um, and if it's too complex to analyze, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna realize the full value of the parent company. So that's another way to kind of look at this. Um, yeah. So I want to mention those two things before we jump into some of the more nitty gritty details. Um, so the next thing on our radar would be you know earnings volatility for parent and child. Um, you have any thoughts on that, Hari? Yeah, if you know, if they typically if they're operating in different industries or one business is cyclical and has, you know, uh, you know, is highly tied to how, you know, the 
the economy is doing or something like that, and another business is more uh, steady, you may see a, um, you know, by splitting them up, you may get better um, returns for both industries, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's, you know, there's different types of volatility, you know, you know, high, high volatility and low volatility companies. Um, It's potential for unlocking value there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the cyclical nature of a subsidiary or cyclical nature of a parent company could definitely impact uh, the partner, right? If 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 a child company is cyclical and the parent company is not cyclical, it's going to have a huge impact on how you analyze the entire parent company. So it might be in that situation, it might be really reasonable and makes sense to spin off the the parent the the child company at its own. So those are situations that you would have to look for. Uh, Another thing is another kind of element in our checklist is um, the valuation method. So I think this is really interesting. So if a parent company has a lot of depreciation expense, because for example, it's an asset heavy business and then the child company is not, it doesn't have any like depreciation expenses that could really skew how you value the parent company and the child company if it is all under one umbrella. And so you know, what sort of valuation methods are you using? What sort of accounting, um, what, you know, what measurements you should be using to analyze companies? I think that really has a big impact on how you analyze the entire business. Yeah, and we talked about La Quinta and CorePoint in the last episode. Uh, you know, CorePoint is the real estate holdings of, of, the, of La Quinta. Um, and typically the real estate is, you know, based on a capitalization method, like, um, you know, what is the, the percent uh, return based on assets um, mm-hmm. that you're, you're you're trying to get, so dividend yield, that kind of stuff, uh, is kind of what you would look for in a company like CorePoint, um, and is trading it. You know, CorePoint is trading at a very low book value, um, whereas their management company was, you know, it was is supposed to be a light asset, you know, business. So spinning it off allows them to get tax advantages for the real estate, you know, business. So you would kind mm-hmm. of value these two things very differently as separate entities. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, you know, potentially where, you know, there's value to unlock. Um, the other thing could be if a company has, um, you know, if it's a company is a very tech heavy business, so they don't have any assets, but then they also own um, some sort of, um, I could think of it, uh, you know, like a, uh, they own data centers that they want to spin out. So the data centers would be that the asset heavy business, the tech company would be the asset light business, um, if you imagine Amazon tried to split up EC2 from, you know, uh, from the parent business, that that would be kind of where you would see different valuation methods for the two two businesses. So um, that mm-hmm. would be a kind of a a good place to see some discrepancies in how one or the other is valued. Yeah, I think those are that's a really valid point there. Like Amazon, for example, it hits me right. You know, it, it paints a clear picture for me, right? So you have this asset light e-commerce website. You know, business, and then you have EC2 where you're you're serving up you know, this massive infrastructure projects where you know you have you know, server farms and and making sure all that is is working. So that kind of clear, paints a good picture for me, Hari. There, um, let's move on to the next uh, next bullet point, which is the the downward pressure. You know, we talked about this in the previous episode uh, just a little bit uh, on indiscriminate selling that happens. Um, and uh, indiscriminate selling that happens because the child company is no longer part of the index or the child company is now 
you know, trading as a new entity and people have no interest in owning the child company. They have, they're only interested in holding the parent company, which is what they originally purchased. Yep. So there might be indiscriminate selling that happens. And this is what we talked about. But right. there are other things at play, other things, other elements that, that are at play that will exert downward pressure. Could you talk about some of those things, Hari? Yeah. So one of those things is that, um, you know, management will see an ugly business or present the business as somewhat ugly um, while it's attached to the parent. And so they'll provide, provide pro forma uh, financials as a standalone business, even though they're still attached to the parent company. Um, and the reason that they want to make it look ugly is a couple of things. Management may be incentivized, and this is something that you can easily look at, is what is management's uh, uh, financial compensation structure? So they may want to keep prices very low initially um, so that when they're issued options, there's a lower strike price so that they benefit from the upside of the share price going up. Um, they may also have direct compensation related to the share price you know, uh, targets um, as well. Um, they also may have certain quality metrics that they have to hit, um, like earnings per share numbers or things like that. So they may initially sandbag these values just to improve their, uh, and I, I'm, we're not talking about doing this illegally, right? This is a, you know, they are making the numbers look ugly, um, within reason, right? To, to make this, you know, uh, within the law. Um, and within account accounting rules, um, I, I you know if we're we're going back to our core point kind of example, um, core point talks about this as a you know they're remodeling a bunch of their stores they got uh, or their their hotels um, as part of the spinoff they got money from Wyndham to do the remodeling um, and then in the future they can charge a higher price once the remodeling is complete. So this is kind of a way from them to go from a low mid tier. Uh, hotel chain to a you know mid to high tier you know upper middle you know tier high uh, hotel chain um so the assets are the same but they're actually able to make more money off of the same assets right so mm -hmm. that's that's kind of you know what you see there is that they're trying to make a uh, make it initially look bad because they've got these hotels that are not remodeled yet um they're looking really bad but the asset is still valuable um you know it's it's just needs to be cleaned yeah. up a little bit and also, while it's being cleaned up, right? While it's being cleaned up, you're not going to make a lot of money because you have to shut down the hotel. Right. So at that point in time, you're not going to make money. You're not, I mean, the earnings is going to go down because you have to shut down the hotels for renovation. So when you have to shut down hotels for renovation, no money coming in from outsider perspective, from investor perspective, when you look at these numbers without any sort of context, you say, Oh, wow, their business has really fallen apart. I'm going to sell this business. I have this La Quinta. La Quinta spun off this real estate thing and the real estate thing is not making any money. So you just dump it. So there's a, you know, there's a downward pressure because people are selling and, and that downward pressure comes from the management sandbagging the numbers initially. Yep. Um, and the reason for them to send back is because like Hari talked about, their management incentive structures is set up so that if you start out low, think about this. If you're starting out at, you know, earnings of, you know, let's say 100 million. In order to improve, in order to double your, you know, double your your earnings, you have to go to 200. But if you start out as at 500, 
you need to if you want to double that number you got to go to a billion so starting at a lower number gives them a huge advantage in terms of their own incentive structure so this is insider the operators the ceos the cfos the coos of the company their incentive structure is tied to the performance of the company and so what they're doing initially is they are sandbagging the numbers so that their incentive package looks great uh, you know they'll they can reap benefit from the incentive package and because of that the byproduct of this is that from the outside it looks really bad because they're artificially you know sandbagging the numbers so from the outside people are not people are not really excited about this company so they start dumping it so it kind of it's kind of both both ends it's the insiders and then the outsiders so to, to in summary insider really wants it they have all the incentive structure the right incentive structures and the outsiders they do not want it because at least on the surface it looks bad yeah, and another good way to tell is if you have management, uh, where does that management come from for the child company? So if you have a child, uh, if the CEO of the spinoff company was actually the CEO of the parent company, that kind of tells you where the CEO sees value, right? The CEO is going to look out for one person, that's himself or herself, and they're going to follow where the money is going, right? And so they're going to craft the incentive structure with their board for the new company so that they maximize their own return, right? And that may be through um, stock options, that may be through, uh, you know, cash bonuses, that may be, you know, and so you want to see where is the management for this new entity coming from? What are their incentive structures that are going to allow for them to maximize their return, right? And so in good, in a business that's a good spinoff, you would want to see the a uh, new CEO of the spinoff to be, you know, high level person or even the CEO of the, the parent company. And they're moving over because they see value in the new business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is that you look at their incentive structure and you say, are these things that they can achieve, you know, and what are those targets that, you know, what are they going to do as part of the initial few years after the spinoff to make that occur, right? And so in Laquita's mm-hmm. case, it's, clean up the business model, um, you know, upgrade the, you know, the, the existing assets, uh, add some, you know, spit polish onto them and then charge a higher price. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. you know, I think that's a real good way of kind of seeing where this is going to go. Right. Is starting. Yeah. That. And I think you mentioned something really, really fascinating, which is where is the management coming from? Who is, you know, who is filing the, the rank and file of the parent co- of the child company who where are they from are they an out, like totally an outsider there are they hiring from someone you know some some other company or are they part of the parent company and a good example here i want to mention again we're we're, we're using the quinta example because it's such a good example in my opinion in our opinion um the parent the child company that was spun off the ceo of the child company was actually the ceo of the parent company so when you're, you know, when you're the captain of the boat and you know where this boat is going, you know, like, like Hari talked about, he's going to look out for himself. So this person, the CEO of La Quinta jumped ship and is now the CEO of the, of the child company. So that tells you a lot about where the boat is going, I would say. Yep. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, so I think we talked about quite a bit about like downward pressure. I think using La Quinta was probably a good, good way to kind of illustrate that point. We talked about the downward pressure, uh, from indiscriminate selling because people don't want to own a REIT, a real estate investment trust. They only want to own like hotel franchise. So they will indiscriminate sell. That's one thing. Or it might be part of an index. It's no longer part of index. So that's another downward pressure. We also talked about how, you know, the incentive management structure is set up so that there's initial sandbagging that happens. Yep. We talked about that. And then because of the sandbagging, people from the outside, the investors will look at this and say, oh, this is really a terrible business. So they start selling. That's another element of downward pressure there. Yep. And then we lastly talked about, you know, the, 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 the CEOs of the parent company and the, and the child company, where do they come from? We talked right. about that. Um, so those are things you need to look out for when you're really analyzing st- uh, st- uh, stock spinoffs. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Um, what else? What else? I think this is also interesting. I think this is something that we should also look out for for spinoff, which is a future future kind of catalytic event that might happen to drive up the price. Um, you know, we talked a lot about downward pressure, but there might be an instant. There might be hidden. You know, hidden element in the context of the parent company or the child company where you're going to get a huge bump in the future. Obviously, we're going into the territory of kind of predicting the future, but you need to understand that there might be some, you know, some things, some, some event that might happen, some catalytic event that happens in the future that will raise up the price. Yep. Um, so you need to be looking out for those, not just for spinoffs, really for any, any businesses, any investments that you look at, but particularly for spinoffs, because there's a lot of downward pressure and there's a lot of questions around a lot of, you know, kind of debate around when is the downward pressure going to ease off and when is it going to actually slowly going to come up? When is that bottom trough? I don't know. Right. So no one knows. I think the, the, most of the selling that occurs in a company is within the first six months. Um, and the timeline is usually can be much faster. It can be much slower. Um, but you, you know, for as long as I've been investing, um, I have never seen a company kind of, uh, not realize, you know, Mr. Market gives you an opportunity to, to sell an undervalued business beyond like three or three or four years within three or four years, you will usually see the return mm. that you're looking for if you had a uh if you were correct in your in your valuation analysis and i think that's true mm. even in in this case of the spin-offs i mean in the case of ferrari i think the company tripled in like a year you know 18 months something really fast um mm. and in the case of uh i think in marriott's case it was like even faster like 6 months uh, greenblatt talks about that so you know but a lot of action is going to occur in that first few weeks, you know, that you're going to see the stock price go down um, because of that indiscriminate selling. And then what you're really looking for is that what is going to, you know, when are they going to kind of clean up all the tarnish and then present a polished product to the to the market? Right. And that's mm-hmm. that's really where you're going to see all of your value come back, um, you know, is is when they clean up all of the rust off of the, the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you, if you listen to Monish Pabrai, um, you know, who's another great value investor, um, and I think he has a spinoff list, um, he, you know, he looks at spinoffs for five to seven years after the spinoff, um, to mm-hmm. see, 
unlocked value. So I I wouldn't be, you know, paying attention to, you know, to, you know, there's there's obviously a lot of stuff happening in that first few months, but I think even longer term you can still see some value unlocked from from spin-off mm-hmm. businesses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And something that I found interesting when I was doing research on La Quinta was that uh, um, this individual actually worked at La Quinta. So I got to talk to him. He worked. He no longer is there, but he worked at La Quinta. He, he said this, when executives are trying to spin something off, you know, they will plan this out, you know, five years back, three years back, and so on and so forth. It'll take, they'll take quite a bit of time to plan all this out. And when they're planning this out, they'll work with banks. They'll work with Chase Bank or whatever, these bulge bracket banks. And when they approach banks, they'll basically give them a menu of their incentive structure or kind of what to do when the spinoff situations. They'll basically advise them, the, 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 the executives, on what to do. So all these things we talked about, it's sort of baked into the business model of these banks. They will sell this 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 case for the executives to follow and so all that to say um you know this this is a real thing and people are making a lot of money off of this uh, of, of the spinoff both internally um you know as an operator of the spinoff but also externally as investors investing in spinoff opportunities okay um so i think those are it uh for us anything else you want to add here hari no, you know, I know this is a somewhat advanced, you know, topic. Um, I think we'll probably go through a spinoff here in a future episode uh, to kind of give you a more concrete, you know, understanding of what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. We will also be preparing our own spinoff checklist, which you can uh, get from us at info at valueinvestor.org or tweeting us at valueinvestortv. Um, so, you know, we encourage you to... Um, you know, to kind of read Joel Greenblatt's book, uh, you can be a stock market genius. Um, to kind of look at some of these spinoffs, um, you know, as you know, as a place to start looking for value value companies. You know, CorePoint is is probably a good one to look at also as a um, you know read their annual report and see where they were from their spinoff and where you know where they're going. Um, but I think it's a great place to look. I mean, if you know Charlie Munger and and Joel Greenblatt are two of the greatest value investors, you know, to walk the earth, you know, say that it's a good place to look, then I think you should pay attention. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. Two of the greatest, many many great people actually look into into this. So we should we should also. That's a that's a good point. All right, Hari, um, guys, thank you all for listening. Um, Again, if you have any questions or comments about stock market or spinoffs in particular, please uh, reach out to us at info at valueinvestor.org or reach out to us on Twitter, our Twitter handle, Value Investor TV. And uh, if you can, please uh, go ahead and, and uh, give us a thumbs up or rate us on Apple Podcasts. That would really help us get more traction. Um, so thank you all for listening and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks. Thank you.